For centuries, a focal point in Black American history was centered around the enslavement of Black people and their struggle for freedom and equality post-slavery. The American Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s played a major role in advocating for equal rights for Black people. Around the same time in Britain, the British Civil Rights Movement was occurring. One of the most influential events that happened during that time was the Mangrove Nine trial. This trial was inspirational to activists in the Civil Rights Movement and was a huge stepping stone in gaining equal rights for black people. Between 1948 and 1970, nearly 500,000 people moved from the Caribbean to Britain because of the labor shortages after World War II, as stated in Vanity Fair. These immigrants were known as the Windrush Generation, and a community of them lives in Notting Hill, London, which was where the Mangrove Restaurant was founded by Frank Crishlow in 1968. The Mangrove Restaurant was owned by Caribbean immigrants and sold authentic Caribbean cuisine. Over the years, it attracted many well-known people and activists such as Bob Marley, Marvin Gaye, Jimi Hendrix, and more. And people gathered there to discuss politics and share ideas. According to Vanity Fair, the mangrove connected natives of Africa, the Caribbean, and South Asia, symbolizing unity and the fight for freedom and standing as a thriving cultural landmark in West London. One of the major groups that frequented the mangrove was the British Black Panther Group, which found, was founded in 1968, and they held their meetings at the restaurant. The British Black Panthers were inspired by the Black Panthers in California, and their main motive was to campaign against racial discrimination, according to the Justice Gap. The leader of the British Black Panthers at the time was Althea Joins the Coint, a Trinidadian who joined forces with Frank Crishlow to fight against police brutality. Frank Crishlow, the owner of the Mangrove Restaurant, was described as a crucial civil rights campaigner in the civil rights movement, according to The Guardian. He fought for justice for black people and was well-respected in the Caribbean community in London. His restaurant opened in 1968, and he was the one who organized the march against police brutality, which led to the Mangrove Nine trial. Althea Jones LeCoint and Frank Crishlow were just two of the Mangrove Nine defendants. The others were Darkus Howe, Roden Gordon, Barbara Beast, Godfrey Miller, Rupert Glasgow, Boyce, Anthony Carlisle Innes, and Rothwell Kentish. Also, a rights activist who saw the injustices, the mangrove restaurant Frank Crishlow, and the people who frequented it faced, according to the National Archives. When the Mangrove Restaurant first opened in 1968, it almost immediately attracted the Metropolitan Police's attention. The year after, in 1969, the Metropolitan Police started raiding the restaurant without any proof or evidence of wrongdoing multiple times. In that year alone, the police raided the restaurant a total of 12 times, and each time they found nothing illicit. For the most part, they claimed to be looking for drugs, but repeatedly, Krishlow had stated that he was anti-drugs, and they found nothing, according to the Novara media. The police raided the restaurant because it was black-owned and frequented by the British Black Panthers. It also was a very important part of the British Caribbean community in Notting Hill, known as the heart of the community, and brought people together, which the police found potentially threatening. The corrupt officer that led the raids was Frank Pulley, describing the restaurant as a haunt for criminals, ponces, and prostitutes, and a drug den, as stated in The Guardian. Here is Frank Crystal's personal account of the police ratings and his complaint of the injustice his restaurant faced to the, to the Race Relations Board in December 1969. I am the owner of the Mangrove Restaurant, 8 All Saints Road, W11. 
I received on the 23rd of December 1969 a letter from Mr. John Weir of the Kensington Council refusing to renew my license to operate an all-night cafe. My restaurant is patronized by respectable people, has never had a case with the police before, although they have unlawfully raided the premise on two occasions. Its power, they claim, is vested by the new act of the Greater London Council. I am the first known test case under the new act. I object to the entire incident because I know it is because I'm a black citizen of Britain that I'm discriminated against. After many of the raids, the Black Panthers decided to hold their meetings in the mangrove, making the restaurant more political and attracting more attention from the Metropolitan Police. With Althea Jones LeCoyne leading them, the Black Panthers began to plan a peaceful protest in response to the police brutality they faced. They planned to march peacefully to three different Metropolitan Police stations and protest the injustices and police brutality the mangrove restaurant faced. The march began on August 9, 1970, when a group of Black Power activists led 150 people on a march against police harassment of the Black community. The protesters demanded that the police get their hands off Mangrove, and one of the Mangrove Nine, Barbara Beast, even carried a pig's head, a derogatory symbol of the police. As the protesters marched down Portnoll Road, they were immediately surrounded by around 200 officers and met 500 more police officers dressed in riot gear. According to The Guardian, police preparation for the march was so extensive that they had 500 officers available and they did this deliberately to incite the conflict with the marchers by overwhelming them because they wanted to arrest them. The police strategically planned it to make it seem as if the protesters incited the riot through photos and witness statements from officers. A brief struggle between the protesters and the officers at Portnoll Road provided the police all the justification they needed with how later writing that they descended on protesters with pure, unadulterated, unlicensed brutality, releasing their pent-up rage and frustration at the thought of black people challenging their authority, stated the Justice Gap. Later on, it was confirmed that the police were the ones who started the violence, not the protesters. The Mangrove Nine were all arrested during the protest, all charged by the conservative Home Secretary, Renegold Maudling, who instructed the Director of Public Prosecutions to charge the Nine with inciting the riot and some lesser charges as well. The police chose those Nine specifically because they played an important role in organizing the march. The case received so much publicity that the trial was moved from the local courthouse to the Old Bailey where more high-profile trials such as rape and murder were conducted. A year later, in, in October 1971, the 50-day trial began. One of the most unique aspects about this case is that two of the nine, Darkest Howe and Althea Jones-Lecointe, opted to represent themselves in the trial. This radical defense strategy was a bold and risky move at the time, and not only did they defend themselves, but they also exposed the political nature of the trial and the brutality of policing in Notting Hill, according to The Guardian. With them defending themselves, they were able to truly expose racism and the racism and prejudice in the Metropolitan Police that a lawyer could not do and shine light on the issues that a judge wouldn't have acknowledged or factored in beforehand. Barbara Beese, another one of the nine, hired Ian McDonald, a radical lawyer who represented her and performed the critical role of mediating between the defendants defending themselves and the Barristers defending the other defendants to prevent any divisions, as stated in The Guardian.
One of the things that the defendants asked for was an all-black jury under the Magna Carta's Jury of My Peers Clause, which turned the court into a public spectacle, exposing the contradictions in the prosecution's case, according to The Guardian. The contradiction in the prosecution's case was that racism and prejudice were both not present in the case, but when the judge did not allow them to have an all-black jury, this exposed that there was racism involved. This again forced Judge Clark to acknowledge prejudice in the court. The judge dismissed this immediately, being known for disliking political radicalism. The defendants had prepared this for this, though, and used their rights to dismiss seven jurors each, leaving a total of 63 dismissed jurors. During this, doing this ensured that two of the 12 jurors were black and, more importantly, stamped their authority on the proceedings, according to The Guardian. During the cross-examination of the officers by McDonald, the lawyer, Howe, and LaCointe Jones, they were able to expose the lies that the police told them about the protests and also expose the prejudice that motivated the police, stating that the prosecution was entirely rooted in the desire to suppress the politics of the black radicals, according to the Justice Cap. One of the most crucial parts of the cross-examination was when Howe found that there were four individual officers who claimed to see the defendants inciting the riot from a surveillance van, but the viewing panel in the van was extremely small, making it impossible for all four officers to see the same thing happening at once through the small window as stated in the justice gap. In addition to that, a police officer was even ordered to leave the courtroom when he was found signaling to other prosecution witnesses as they gave evidence. The jury took a mere eight hours to return their verdict after the 55-day trial. They acquitted all of the defendants on the charge of incitement to riot and acquitted five of the nine, including Howe and Jones LaCoin, of all charges. The most astonishing outcome of the trial was, was Judge Clark's complete change in position and him even acknowledging that the case had revealed evidence of racial hatred existing inside the Metropolitan Police. This was a turning point in British law with Judge Clark being the first to ever acknowledge the prejudice in the police force. He was even ordered to retract his statement but he refused according to The Guardian. Soon after the trial in 1976, the trial's favorable outcome led to the formation of the 1976 Race Relations Act which was a step closer to racial equality in Britain. Because the police were exposed for targeting the Mangrove restaurant, because it was a key part of the black community, the act was formed so that this would not happen again. Additionally, this changed how the public viewed race, race and racial issues in the UK and inspired many to stand up to their own experiences with racial discrimination. The 1976 Race Relations Act made it illegal to discriminate on grounds of race, color, nationality, including citizenship, citizenship, and national or ethnic origin, according to The Guardian. This prohibited the police from targeting people of color and continually raid the mangrove. Additionally, the trial was led to the founding of the Commission of Racial Equality, which was set up under the Race Relations Act to challenge dis racial discrimination and promote racial equality. Throughout the mangrove restaurant's many years of being open, the police continued to raid it for years after the outcome of the trial, with the restaurant eventually closing in 1992. This event should be taught because even now, over 50 years later, black people are still experiencing the same systemic racism as they did back in 1969. In the trial, it is apparent that the government, the societal, 
structure that is supposed to be protecting its citizens victimizes and exploits the power they have over people of color for their own gains. This event should be taught because the Mangrove Nine trial is just one example of countless times the police have abused their power and targeted black people solely because of their race. Usually when describing conflict between the police and the black community, almost always the police win in court. One example of this includes the Central Park Five. The Central Park Five were a group of five black teenagers in New York City who were framed by the police for raping a young woman in Central Park. They were incarcerated for a crime they didn't commit and the police used them as scapegoats because they were black. This example shows how common it was for the police to win cases even when they were completely wrong based on the race. The Mangrove Nine case was different from most others because they were able to win the case and help change the system to prevent racism for trials in the future. Learning about this case would inspire those who feel discouraged today by the lack of progress against the justice system because this trial and the impacts it made on British law have shown that it is possible for the defendants of a, tra of a trial based on racism and prejudice to succeed. The impact of the Mangrove Nine is still felt today because in the trial it was the first judicial acknowledgement of racism and xenophobia within the Metropolitan Police. This brought change to a system to the system forever because a few years later the Race Relations Act was installed, making discrimination based on race, gender, or nationality illegal. In addition to changing the British law, the Mangrove Nine were also a big part of the British civil rights movement, inspiring protests for justice to this day and fighting against police brutality. Before the trial of the Mangrove Nine, black citizens of Britain were expected to let the Metropolitan Police Force treat them however they wanted and not speak out, but the protest against police brutality changed that. The protests and the trial afterwards helped shape the perspective that people can and should protest against how they were being treated. It, it, it inspired the Notting Hill community to keep fighting and protesting against police brutality and to spread their message so others could do the same. This event that helps us better understand the present because the problems that are happening in now, particularly in the United States with police brutality, have been happening for decades and only are more commonly talked about today because there is actual video footage. Since the Mangrove Nine had such an impact on racism in the British law, the changes altered the system and how black people were treated forever. It was a huge step toward the in it was a huge step forward in the British civil rights movement and brought to light how black people were really treated by the police at the time. With so many protests happening against police brutality in the U.S. and even some in Britain currently, it is evident that protesting police brutality leads to change, which is what happened with the Mangrove Nine. While this event is just one of many that showcases police brutality against black people, it still should be taught today and learned about because it is important to celebrate the victories, even if they are overshadowed by bigger events. The story of the Mangrove Nine expresses this because this event brought a lot of change to British law and the civil rights movement, and it impacted the lives of many. Overall, the Mangrove Nine played a big part in the movement and inspired many people to seek out the justice they deserve. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Sources include The Justice Gap, Vanity Fair, Novara Media, The Guardian, and The National Archives.